Cleveland Indians have finally clinched. They're the first team to clinch a division championship this year in the 2018 season. Of course, the Boston Red Sox, they had already clinched a playoff berth, but we had to wait and see if the Indians were actually going to clinch a divisional championship. They did that on Saturday. They did it fairly easy over the Detroit Tigers at Progressive Field. So that's all said and done with, and now over the next two weeks, they can kick back and relax and try to get their rotation set up for the playoffs to begin in the last week of September. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Our weekly get-together on Monday nights as the season is rolling to a close to talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And in order to do that, of course, as always, what we've got to do is go down south and bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you doing this week? I'm great, Dave, and uh, thank God the baseball season for the Reds is almost over. But uh, I, I, I do want to point out, uh, I didn't, I did not look at the standings after yesterday's game, but you know it's possible uh, that the Indians may have one of the worst records of all the teams that are going to the playoffs. Um. Yeah. Except you're you're right. I'm going to look at the standings. You're you're absolutely right. Although. Uh, they're more in uh, contention with the National League teams than they are with the American League teams. Oh, yeah, I know. That's what, I'm, that's what I was getting at. They, um, and I don't know how to explain that because uh, you have maintained all, all year that the Indians are designed as a playoff team, that, that their strength is going to be you know, as a playoff team, not as a regular season team. So uh, that's it's an interesting observation, but I wonder if this team. Uh, I mean, some of the pitching you guys are getting is unbelievable, you know. But where do you see their weakness going into the playoffs? Um, I, I actually see their weakness right now on the defensive side. Even though they've strengthened themselves on the infield, I think they've weakened themselves in the outfield. But you bring up a couple of interesting points here. Let, let's take a look at this. Uh, the, the Indians right now, they're off tonight. They've got a record of 83 and 66. Now that is easily the worst amongst the American League teams because in the East, Boston's won 103 games and lost 47. The Yankees are 91 and 58. So the Indians have a record behind those two. In the West, same thing. Houston 94 and 55 and Oakland is in second place. They're at 90 and 60. But then you look at the National League, Mark. In the East, they've got the identical record of the Atlanta Braves who lead the Eastern Division by six and a half over Philly, uh, 83 and 66. In the Central, Chicago, the Cubs have a record of 87 and 62. Milwaukee is at 85 and 65 in second place. And if the if the Indians and the Cardinals were in the same division, Mark, the Cardinals would be just a game behind at 82 and 68. And in the National, in the West, it's Colorado and the Dodgers, each at 82 and 67. And so they are, would be a game behind the Indians also. Well, here's what scares me about the Indians. And, of course, I'm an Indians fan after the Reds. But they play in the worst division in baseball. And yet they have a, a really poor record for a team 
with as much talent, with as much pitching as they have. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't know where you see them every day. I don't. But you look at the, that, that roster, you look at their record, but most importantly, they play more games against the worst division in baseball, within the most worst division in baseball, than any team. And it, it, it would concern me, if I were you, that there's something in this team, and maybe it will turn the light switch come October, I don't know, but they, they have lost a lot of games this year that I didn't think they were going to lose. Well, the bullpen was really a big problem at the beginning of the year. Not so much now, but it was at the beginning of the year. But that that withstood. Uh, you know, I want to talk about the one thing that I've been bringing up all year long, and that is this team does not have the it factor. And I know you've always asked me, what do you mean by that? I, I can't explain it. It's one of those things that when you see it, you know it, but when you don't see it, you know it's not there, but it's hard to explain. They don't have that, and I hesitate to use this, that chip on their shoulder, Mark. I mean, it, it's something that they just, they've coasted through this entire season. It's like they've known from the very beginning that they could win this division, they could turn it on anytime they wanted to and win this thing easily, and they've coasted to the division championship because you're right, they are in the worst division in baseball. That being said, that doesn't mean that they still can't go to the World Series. I keep going back to 73 when the Mets did it. Well, yeah, and I think you'd look back to last year. Who was the hottest team in baseball in September? The Indians were. That's right. I mean, not even close. Yeah. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. So... And then they go in and they stink it up in the playoffs. So well, they didn't maybe, stink it up in the playoffs, Mark. They yeah. lost in five games to a Yankee team after Ed Encarnacion got hurt and couldn't play again in Game One. They stuck it up in the playoffs. They should have gone to the World Series. They'd won twenty what twenty three in a row. Twenty two in a row. Twenty two in a row, and they were the hottest team in baseball. And I, I think that I, you can't tell me that you among everybody else in baseball. They thought the Indians were a shoe-in to go into the World Series. No, there wasn't a shoe-in about it, Mark. Come on. Houston had Come the on. best Houston had the best record in baseball last year, and they were the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing. But they never even got past the Yankees. I mean, who did? You know, I mean, they didn't they didn't get to Houston. I mean, in terms of the uh, they should have beat Houston in my opinion. Yeah. If they were the, the team that that everybody thought they were in September, that team did not perform in the playoffs. My point is that you can't rely on what happens in the regular season. And despite the fact that the Indians are probably going to end up 20 games ahead of, of Cleveland in, in a, with, with a record, you, you, you just never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. Last year, I think the Indians spit the bit. This year, they could go into the playoffs with one of the worst records, and they could win the World Series. It's happened before. Well, in the American League, yes, I would agree with you. But like I said, they've got a they've got a record right now that's comparable with the, all, all the teams in the National League, every one of them. Well, it's because there's there's more balance in the in the National League, I think, than, than the American League. Uh, certainly, the Indians are the class act in in the central but look at what happens what's happening in the um uh 
You know, and yet you look at the Indians' record, Mark. You look at the Indians' record. They've played even Steven with the Yankees this year. They've played even Steven with Boston. Uh, the only team that they've had problems with that will be going to the playoffs this year is Oakland. That's it. The, the teams that they've had the problems with have been the bottom dwellers, the Kansas Cities, the Minnesotas. For crying out loud, those Chicago White Sox gave them a hard time. That's why I'm saying... This team has coasted from beginning to end. They've known they could win this division handily, and and I don't like it. I don't like the way that they're going into the playoffs. I haven't liked the way that they've played baseball all year long. Yeah, they've got a couple of guys in Lindor that have hit 35 homers. Jose Ramirez is coming out of his slump now, and he's got 101 RBIs over 30 homers, 30 stolen bases, but he's moving to second. They're, they're still tinkering with this team and trying to make it into a World Series champion. Well, and I think they may be, but the I think the fans, and I'd be interested to know what you think now. The season's almost coming to an end. Do you still think the Indians are a better playoff team than a regular season team? Yes. Okay. Yes, I don't think they're, and I'll tell you why. They've got four pitchers right now, Mark, that are in the top ten in the American League in ERA. Nobody else can say that. They are also going to do something this year that no other no other baseball team has ever done, and that is have four pitchers on their staff that would each have 200 strikeouts in one season. No major league team has ever done that. This starting pitching staff, Mark, is so strong, they're talking about putting Trevor Bauer in the bullpen for the first round of the playoffs in order to make sure that he's recuperated from that stress fracture in his right leg. That's how strong the starting pitching staff is. There is no other staff in the American League or in the National League. I'm going to go on record as saying this. There is no other staff that goes as deep as the Indian starting staff. There is no team that wants to face the top four Indian pitchers if Bauer is completely healthy and starting. Yeah, and that's why it's so hard because I don't see them other day. You look at that lineup, and I agree with you about their pitching, and yet they're 20 games be- or close to 20 games behind Boston in a win-lost record in the worst division. It doesn't add up. There's there, there's no logic to that. You look at that pitching staff, you look at that lineup, and you say that, that team should win 110, 115 games a year. It's but yeah, that's baseball, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's and and I'll be I'll I'll go on record right now as saying I'll take the field against Boston. Boston will not make the World Series. No, you know you have the odds on your side because of all that. <laughs> just like the Indians, you would have taken the field last year that the Indians were going to win the World Series. Um, and, uh, you know, you and I both talked about that ad nauseum throughout the regular season, and I told you that I did not. I was not scared of Houston. I wasn't scared of Houston. I'm still not scared of Houston because their top two pitchers are Dallas Keuchel and Justin Verlander, and the Indians always hammer those two pitchers. The guy that's got me scared on Houston is Garrett Cole. He's the guy, and it looks like Houston and the Indians are going to play in the first round of the of the playoffs. That's the way it, it looks right win. now. I... I <laughs> 
Oh, boy. You know, I haven't even given it much thought, but, I mean, if you're going to put me on the spot right now, I'd have to say that Houston's probably got the advantage over it because they've got home field advantage. I, 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 I like the matchup with Houston. I really do. I think Houston is limping going into it. But I think, and, and I hate saying this, but I think it all revolves around the Indians' health and how they play defense. I don't like Kipnis in center field. I don't. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Back this truck up. You just well, you're not me even letting me finish my point. What, you, what you, truck? You have, you have like seven tr- points, but let me stop you on one. Three minutes ago, you said that the Indians were a team that they were going to flourish in the playoffs because they have the best starting pitching, one through five, so certainly one through three would be even better. And now you think they're not going to beat Houston? If you if you put a gun to my head, I'd say yeah. I'd, I think Houston will beat them because I think they've got a Why? better because I think they've got a better lineup. You you you're giving the Indians lineup too much credit. Uh, maybe so. I mean, there has to be a weakness I'm not seeing there because I agree. Oh, the bottom half the of the it, it has been the bottom half of their lineup throughout the entire season. It, it's been that. It's been the guys after Yonder Alonso at five. It's been the guys six, seven, eight, nine. Now, what they've done is bringing in Josh Donaldson and and putting him at number five in the order. They've moved uh, Alonzo to six. Melky Cabrera has stepped into that right field position. Thank God for Melky because he's hitting over 280 as an Indian and and driving in runs and playing great defense out in right field. They need that. He's moved into that seventh spot, but then you've got eight and nine. Now, Gomes is starting to hit the ball a little bit better, but Kipnis has been a disaster all season long. I mean, this, this guy, whenever there's somebody on base, forget it. He's not going to hit. He'll hit when there's nothing going on, but if there's somebody on base, forget it. He's done. That's the reason they went out and made the Donaldson trade. That's exactly the reason, and they moved Kipnis to center field. Now, is is that a good move? No, I don't think so. I think the the ideal move would have been to to put Kipnis on the bench and left Greg Allen out in center field and just let him play. But the Indians, you know, they know it better than I do. But if I was going to say it, yeah, I'd say Houston would probably win the series uh, going the distance. But, Mark, you know, I, I do. I think the Indians have better pitching, but the lineup goes to Houston and defense. Well, let's, uh, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about something depressing. <laughs> and we, we spent all this time talking about how great the Indians are. Uh, let's talk about another team that we know and love. But before we get into the Cincinnati Reds, you remember when the Reds made the, the trade for Adam Duvall? Yes. And, um, you know, Adam Duvall was off to a terrible start with the Reds and it really is a continuation of the last Year, at least a year and a half, where uh, the second half of 2016, uh, his numbers went to the dumper, and last year he hit around 239, I think. And but you could see that he was being overwhelmed, you know. And this is a guy who, over two years, drove in over 202 runs, I think. He had 99 one year and 102 or 103 the other year. Uh, he had uh, close to 65, 70 home runs over a two-year period, and while his batting average wasn't high, he drove in a lot of runs, hit a lot of home runs, and was hitting fourth for the Cincinnati Reds. 
this guy, I don't know what's wrong with him physically. There has to be something physically. Since he went to Atlanta, I did some research today. He's only been up 44 times, but there, you'll hear these numbers and, and it, you'll know why. In 44 at-bats with Atlanta, he has four hits, batting 091. He has three base on balls. He has no doubles, no triples, no home runs, no RBIs. And now that's almost impossible. He struck out 13 times. Ouch. And this is a guy that was an all-star two years ago. Now, we have talked about adjustments and adjustments to the adjustments mm -hmm. about players. Yeah. This is a guy I don't know. He seems like a reasonably intelligent guy when you hear him being interviewed. Obviously, he has the physical capabilities. He has good eyesight. He's strong. He's fast. He's a great defensive player. All these things. And he has fallen off a cliff offensively. And either he is not intellectually capable of making an adjustment or the coaches just gave up on him. That somebody just said, well, you know, uh, it's over for him. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens to him next year because uh, I don't know that anybody would sign him based on what he's done the last two years. And again, this guy was an all-star two years ago. Mark, we've seen guys like that throughout the years in Major League Baseball, though. It, it, primarily, it's been pitchers. But we've seen batters that have been great coming up and then just all of a sudden just fell off the deep end and weren't able to accomplish anything uh, after their first two or three years in the league. What was the guy that played for, for Cleveland several years ago? He had a great first year. It was out of baseball after two years. Yeah, Joe, Joe Charbonneau. That's right. That's right. Joe Charbonneau. Yeah, Joe Charbonneau was, you know, Super Joe. You know, I mean, he opened he opened beer bottles with his eyelids. And he became a folk hero in Cleveland. And after one year, he was done. He couldn't, he, I don't know what the deal was, but he just, he couldn't hit after that, and he was done. But I mean... He, I thought you said, when you, when you said he opened beer bottles with his eyelids, I thought you said he went blind. Nah, well, I, that may have been the problem. Who knows, you know, but uh, well, how about how about Steve Blass? I mean, pitchers do the same thing. All of a sudden, they can't get the ball over the plate. Steve Blass was and, one of them. Yeah, but Steve Blass had a number of years in baseball. You know, he was successful for a number of years, and it could have been an arm injury. Who knows? He couldn't find, couldn't find a plate. But uh, typically, I've not seen a hitter, in, in my recent memory, of a guy who has fallen off the cliff like Adam Duvall did. And, you know, this guy... I mean, I expected him to be a 30, 35 home run hitter and, and a fixture in left field for a long, long time. And it, it, it's unfortunate. I like the guy, but to see what he did in Atlanta, I, I was just stunned by his, you know, his lack of production down there. Well, there was a reason that the Giants traded him. Yeah, but don't forget when the Reds got him again, his best years yeah. were with the Reds. Yeah. You know, he had, over almost 70 home runs in two years. That's that's a lot of home runs. Mark, I had the opportunity this weekend, and I'm going to uh, keep the names anonymous, and yes, I can say that word, anonymous, um, to protect the innocent. But I spoke with a gentleman this week inside the Reds organization that told me that there is absolutely no chance Jim Riggleman will be rehired. 
I agree with that. Actually, I mean, if I, it, I don't think it's that uh, fait accompli. <clears throat> if I had to bet, I, I would say he would not be. I think they're going to go after Joe Girardi. That would be a great hire. I, I really do believe that. I believe that would be a great hire. But I'm also told that there is more chance of Barry Larkin being hired into the front office than on the bench. Yeah, I can understand that too. I mean, I, I don't think Barry Larkin is suited to be a manager. Um, to me, he's not, he's not emotional enough. You know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. I, I don't see him as a leader of men, but, uh, you know, Girardi has had great success and the question is, will the Reds pay the, you know, pay the piper to, to get him? But speaking of the Reds, um, I went back and looked at the record for Cincinnati since the current ownership of Bob Castellini has taken over. And that started in, in 2006. And it, it, certainly for the last, since the last five years, the Reds have the worst record in baseball, collectively. Uh, they've finished last place four years in a row. This will be the fourth year. And then uh, fourth place the year before that. In the last, we see, uh, 13 years, they've had only three winning seasons. In the last 22 years, they've had 17 losing seasons. Now, when you have that much negativity around an organization, it becomes a losing culture. And I know in 2010 they won the division, but if I recall, in 2011 and 2013, they were wildcard teams that got in. They didn't even have the best record in their division. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that one year, I forget what year it was, three of the central teams went to the playoffs. So the Reds have only won one division in the last 23 years. I mean, that, that is, that is astonishingly disappointing. And then you look at the roster this year and where they are. Am I missing something? Is there something in this roster or even the 40 man roster or the first three levels of the minor leagues that gives anybody hope? Mark, I think, and again, I'm going to keep uh, how I got this information private, um, but I think there is more upheaval in the Reds' front office than has been reported by any media conglomerate in this city, or even around Major League Baseball. Nick Crawl was named the general manager of this ball club back in May, taking over for Dick Williams. Now, Crawl had been Williams' assistant for years. He had been part of the Reds organization for 16 years, Mark. I am being told right now that Dick Williams, who supposedly stayed with the ball club uh, and was supposed to be somewhere at the top of the hierarchy in the front office, Mark, basically is not even in the ballpark anymore. He he is not a part of the organization. He does not go in and make any administrative decisions Nothing. He is just completely oblivious to what is happening with this ball club. 
and and I think it it probably has taken its toll on what this team has done. I really the way I understand it, Mark, there is really nobody with this front office right now that has any decision making has not made any decisions. I I really don't think that there has been a decision yet on Jim Riggleman, and there may not be a decision on Riggleman until maybe a week or two after the regular season is over. But I don't think they've got an idea on what what direction they want to go. Tonight, uh, during the second inning, Marty Brenneman always talks to a reporter uh, every second inning, and they talk about you know behind the scenes stuff. And Marty made a, a pretty caustic comment, which is not um, you know that's kind of normal for him, but. Uh, Somebody said, I forget who, I think he was one of the writers from the Inquirer, made a comment about a meeting that the, the brass are coming down to Miami this week, and everybody, the, the entire organization is coming down, and they're going to have this this big, important meeting. And Marty said, well, that's great to have meetings, but if nobody steps up and, and does anything but the, the company line, nothing gets done. Yes. I don't know if you heard that or not, but I'm paraphrasing there. That's not a direct quote, but that's basically yeah. what he said. And he did say nothing gets done and company line. And he said it in a, in a derogatory way. And the, the other announcer said, what would you say if you were in that meeting? He said, well, number one, I'd never be invited to that meeting, but I sure as hell wouldn't tow the company line anymore. Yeah. Now, now I don't know what the company line is other than let's save money. Let's build more restaurants at the ballpark. Let's uh, do everything but put a winning team on the field. And I think if I know Marty, that's what he, the kind of thing he would say. Like, what the hell are we opening another? I was you and I were down there when last month. Yeah. I mean, how many how many restaurants do you need? I, that's my background: retail real estate and commercial real estate. You're talking millions of dollars of investment in these things. Why? Why not invest in a left fielder that can hit 35 home runs or a starting pitcher that can go beyond the fifth inning? It's just very frustrating for people who follow this team and have seen what's happened over the last 20 years. I agree with you. And the fact of the matter is, Mark, you know, and, and this sounds hilarious, but it's a point that we were, we went into the Diamond Restaurant, the Diamond Club restaurant that night. And they were in the Diamond Club. I know a lot of people out there have not been involved in the Diamond Club. You get seats behind home plate. Behind the seats in home plate, there's a restaurant, and you get fed for free, and there's a buffet and everything. Mark, when I go to a ball game, I'm not there to eat lamb. That's that's right. I'm sorry. I'm not there to eat lamb. I'm not there to eat quiche i'm not there to eat all this expensive food i'm there to watch a baseball game now that's where baseball has gone mark you've got the diamond club now obviously those seats are expensive for a reason but for gosh sakes mark if you want lamb go to the montgomery inn yeah i've been to probably at one time uh, i think i've been to 18 or 19 ballparks and I, I used to go to Dodger Stadium all the time because I worked you know, a mile from there. And you go there, and it's a baseball stadium. And even Wrigley Field, it's baseball. That's why you're there. 
baseball. Yeah. It's not for all this other playgrounds for the kids and all this crap. They would draw so many more people if they just get better players, invest those millions of dollars into an asset on the field and not where they're serving lamb, you know, at a restaurant. And don't you want your people not eating lamb but out there watching your team? I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. And the the, the point that that I've been trying to make is that the the Reds organization at some point, and maybe this is what Marty was talking about, they have made the the decision we're going to invest our money into something other than players. And I at one time this was about I don't know three years ago, my son and I were down there, and I, I'm not kidding you, there must be. 30 or 40 places to eat in this ballpark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's just, yeah. it's unbelievable. It's like a mall. Mark, it, it's the same way in Cleveland. It's the same way in Pittsburgh. It, it's the same way all over the place. Now, I don't know about, I don't know about Wrigley. I, I did talk to a friend of mine that has been to Fenway several times and, and he didn't bring up anything about, about restaurants, but that's the way to go. I mean, for crying out loud, Mark, I mean, you can't even get a playoff ticket anymore. For just the average Joe Blow, uh, I mean, the average Joe Blow can get a, can, can have season tickets, and I'm just going to use this as an example because you know I'm telling the truth. They can have season tickets all year long, 13 rows behind first base. But for the playoffs, they don't get those seats anymore because they go corporate. That's what Major League Baseball does. They sell those seats to the corporate sponsors, and then the the season ticket holder for the Indians or whomever it is that had those seats, they get shoved down the right field and left field lines. Well, the Reds are are doing something wrong. There's there's no other explanation. I looked at these records over the last 23 years, and to have only five winning seasons in 23 years – and only three winning, winning seasons the last, uh, I think, 16 years. They're doing something wrong. I don't know if it's their scouting department. We touched it, upon it last week, Mark, we, and, and I brought it up to this person this weekend, um, uh, late last week, this, this weekend. I brought it up to them that I, I had made the comment that when the Dolan brothers bought the Indians, as much as I hated the Dolan brothers at the time, their primary their 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 company line was we are going to draft pitching. Pitching is the number one thing in our minds. We are going to put together a front office that drafts pitching. Right or wrong, Mark, they had a plan from day one. What plan do the Reds have? They don't have one. And that's what I was told this weekend. They don't have one. They don't know what they're going for. And the reason they don't know what they're going for, and this is the point I was going to make a little while ago, nobody in that front office can make a decision. Well, it's got to be something like that. Since I wasn't part of that conversation, I believe you. But you're right. From from what I can see on the outside looking in, uh, William seems over his head in terms of, of what he's doing. It, it's, it's, eventually, it goes down to the talent evaluators. Who in the organization is making the decision to draft some of the players they've drafted? Their drafts have been horrendous. And that comes back to kill you for five years. You mess up, you know, three or four drafts in a row, and this is what happens, and that's what's happened to the Reds. But, you know, the, the, they've made some good trades. 
but you, you can't, they, they get like Shebler. You know, Shebler is uh, a, a, a reasonable player, but he's going to be the kind of guy that hits 260, 270. He's not going to change your team. And the Reds have made so many poor decisions. And of course, you go back to the Chapman trades where they have the best arm in baseball and they get nothing for it. Nothing! Not a damn player is still playing baseball. It's so, Who made that decision? Well, Somebody at that, did. At that point in time, wasn't a Walt Jockety? Well, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and and, he, and we all we all know why Walt Jockety is no longer with St. Louis. Yeah, and, and you look at the trade for Mike Leake, and you look for, for um, Johnny Cueto. They get three left-hand pitchers, and you know none of them are doing anything that the Reds anticipated. So it's it's a systemic organizational problem that that I, I just wish I could get excited about next year. Or the year after, but I can't. I, it, I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I want to see it. <laughs> I, I want to see it. Yeah, I, I want to see it too because I want to be able to go to some ball games that mean something next summer. But you know, I want to ask you about the, the not so much the Cueto trade, but you bring that up. And one of the three pitchers that they got is Cody Reed, and Cody Reed, you know, over the last month and a half, Mark has been pitching pretty good baseball. And don't forget that Cody Reed last year. Uh, he had a, had a streak where he pitched extraordinarily well out of the bullpen. And then they put it into the rotation and it just, it just fell apart. And speaking of falling apart, I don't know if you're watching the Reds game. The Reds just made three errors in an inning. A double play ball to Suarez went right through his legs. Two drop balls, one by Suarez and one by a Scooter Jeanette on balls where the guy was out at the base. And the Reds have just imploded. Uh, a one to nothing game has turned into a six to nothing game. And kind of on cue in terms of what this team is doing right now. I want to ask you, going into next year, if you're, I'm going to make you the general manager of this ball club. All right. Barring any deals, do you go into next season with the outfield being Senzel in left, Shebler in center, and Winker in right? No, I, I would have somebody. I, I would, I would make Sinzel a super sub. Uh, I'd let him play. He can play the infield. He can play the outfield. Uh, you need you know, the, the trade that killed me that they did not make. They had a chance to trade a Rodas Chapman to Miami for Yelich. Yeah, and they didn't. And they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there I mean, was uh, there was somebody else, and they almost got Giancarlo Stanton too. Well, yeah, it, there was a big trade, but the two headliners were Yelich and um, and Chapman. Yeah, and then they started adding other other players to it. But they, you know, there was a chance they could have gotten both Stanton and Yelich uh, for maybe Cueto and uh, Chapman, something like that. If yeah, gotten exact, but there was it was a big big trade. Yep. Imagine that team with with those guys. I mean, it's, it's just amazing what they could be, but the the, the decision making and it goes. David goes into the scouting department. It goes into who you have looking at talent and evaluating that talent. And again, this is a systemic problem that is not just one guy like a general manager. It's throughout 
the organization. And that's what is so scary is there's just nothing on the shelf. Well, you want to talk about a gigantic mistake. Remember when the Indians signed Nick Swisher? Yeah. Okay, they had yeah. the, the Yankees got a, a uh, compensatory draft pick because the Indians signed Nick Swisher. Guess who that draft pick ended up being? Judge. Judge. Aaron Judge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I seem to remember that. Mark, I don't remember the year. I think it was 1983. What happened on this date back in 1983? And don't quote me on the year, but I think I'm right. Well, you, you give me a year that may not be right, and then you t- tell me to tell you what happened. <laughs> there, huh? All right. It's 1983. In Red's history. Oh, in Red's history. Okay. Yes. Yes. 83 in Red's history. Uh, was that the game they scored 16 runs in the first inning? No. No. It was the night that Johnny Bench hit his 389th career home run and his last. Yeah, I remember that game. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was actually living in Florida, uh, down in Boca, and I remember that game, and uh, it was Johnny Bench night, too. Yeah, yeah, John, yeah, it was... He, they put him behind the plate one final time. Remember that year they put him at third base? Yeah. Yeah. He was playing okay, and then he, he sprained his ankle very badly uh, going into second base on a slide, and they they kind of gave up on it, and it's too bad. I mean, he could have played another few years, and imagine what he could have done if he was in the, the American League. Oh, boy. He could have DH for a long time. Speaking of that, all right, Jason Stark, who's one of the best baseball writers in America, in in my opinion, uh, he is talking. He had an article come out over the weekend about the best and worst of Major League Baseball realignment and expansion. He's talking about four divisions and thirty-two teams, and here's how it could work and what would be a mess. All right. So I want I want to hit you up about this. First of all, they would have to expand two teams. They, they, now, if you're going to say right now that Major League Baseball is going to expand to two teams, what two cities do you think they are going to expand to? Montreal and Las Vegas. Oh, that's that's interesting. Wow. Yep, yep, Montreal. Now, he says Montreal and Portland. I wouldn't go to Portland. I think Yelich, by the way, I'm looking at the TV, may have just hit the cycle for the second time against the Reds in a month. <laughs> yes, he just did. First player in Major League Baseball history to hit for the cycle twice in a season versus the same team. Single, double, triple home run. Unbelievable. Now, here, here's the thing that he says. If, if they bring in, if they bring in those two teams, now here, I know you're going to hate this. He says, because of geographical reasons, they should move the Reds, Phillies, and Braves into the American League. Yeah, they'll never do that. That that's he, now his his proposed four divisions would be this in the National League. He calls it the National League Northeast. It would be the Nationals, Mets, Phillies, and Pirates. The National League Mideast would be the Cubs, Cardinals, Reds, and Brewers, if the Reds stay in the National League. 
National League South would have the Braves, Marlins, the Rays, and either, now he says Montreal or Charlotte. Okay? And in the National League West would be the Dodgers, Giants, Padres, and Diamondbacks. In the American League, everything pretty much stays the same. In the East, it's the Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles, Blue Jays. In the Mid-East, it would be the Indians, Twins, White Sox, Tigers. In the American League South, it's the Astros, Rangers, Royals, and the Colorado Rockies would move to the American League. And in the American League West would be the Mariners, Portland, the A's, and the Angels. Well, first of all, you have to you have to make the decision: is expansion even necessary in baseball? I mean, th- there's a couple of cities out there that I think would be great baseball cities. I think Charlotte would be one uh, in the in the in the southeast, and uh, I think they're going to go back to Montreal to make it a you know more national league or uh, international city. But you know, the other city that I think is going to be on the horizon at some point is Mexico City. That would be a, a international, you know footprint in North America uh, that would have them in three different uh, countries, and, and that's that's pretty interesting to, to contemplate that. I was going to bring that up, but then I thought I don't want to get involved in talking about the wall. <laughs> yeah. We're smuggling in baseball players with the buses through the wall. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he, he also says that we should go back to 154 games. I agree. I, yeah, I, I agree with that too. Yeah, 154 games. That. You know, and and another thing, Mark. Okay, 150. Forget the divisions. I'm going to say right now, forget the divisions. Play everybody evenly through 154 games, and just forget the divisions. You've got the American League, you've got the National League, and you take the top five teams to the playoffs. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I could live with that. I mean, the, the thing that division does, though, it, it creates excitement on a kind of a regional level. But you could theoretically, if you had the top five teams, those five teams are on the big cities, and that's gonna that's gonna cut down on the interest level of baseball into into the playoffs. But you know that why? It, I mean, you take the, the top five records get in anyway. Yeah, I know, but if they're in the same division, if you have a, a team in the same division, but they, 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 I think the bigger issue that nobody ever talks about that would make baseball so so much better is a salary cap. That's that's what would make it a better sport. It's the only major sport that doesn't have one, and until there, there's a chance for a, a team like. Miami, or I mean, Miami's a big market, but they they don't they don't have the payroll, they don't have the the interest down there. Uh, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, although they're playing well, but it's on a consistent basis. It's going to be up and down for the small market teams, where Boston and Chicago and New York and Los Angeles, they can buy their way into the playoffs any year they want, no question. And that's that's the unfairness of it. Okay, two other items that Jason Stark brought up in this article. The first one is expanded postseason. You, you said that earlier, expanded postseason. He says, give us eight teams in the playoffs in each league. Yeah, and I would I would eliminate any three-game, five-game series. I'd go to seven-game series. Um, they play all that time to get into the playoffs, and I, I never liked the five-game 
deal. And, and why not have a three-game series if you're going to have one for the wild card? Yeah. Two, I, I, that one-game playoff is stupid. You know, okay. Well, for example, here's here's the decision the Yankees have to make. And the, the decision is, who do they throw in that wild card game? And then, you, you know, if, if Oakland, which it doesn't look like right now, they're going to overtake Houston. Uh, but, you know, here, here's another situation for them. Who do they start in that wild card game? Because no matter what happens in that wild card game, Mark, they're going to go with their either their second or third best pitcher. In the regulars, in the, in the, uh, if they, if they end up going through, through that wild card game and getting into the divisional series. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's why you play 162 games and you qualify, you know, to be a wild card team. And then they diminish that by making a one game playoff. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense. And what did Frank Robinson say in 1969? We just played 162 games to prove we're the best team in the American League, and now we got to win three out of five. Yeah. Yep. You know, yep. final thing Stark says is, can the DH get rid of it? I agree with that, too. Yeah, I, I like Jason Stark. He's always uh, he's smart. Yeah. He's a smart dude. Yep, I, I agree with you. What was Tom Hallian doing on Todd Frazier's home run Last Thursday night, standing on home plate. I I don't know. I didn't see that. You didn't see that? No. Todd Frazier hit a walk-off home run for the Mets on Thursday night. Uh, it might have been Friday night. Excuse me. It might have been Friday night against the Red Sox. And Tom Hallion evidently has had a burr in his saddle for Todd Frazier for whatever reason for several years. And you know how the the team will come up to home plate after a walk off, and they'll yeah. Okay, Tom Hallian stood right on home plate and met Todd Frazier at home plate and went nose to nose with him. And nobody knows why. And Major League Baseball called Tom Hallian on the carpet about it, but nothing was ever said. Mm. It's very. You look it up. You'll you'll find it on the internet. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll Google that. Yeah, it it's definitely an interesting confrontation. Between those two. And Todd Frazier, you know, and I know you've always liked Frazier. Uh, he took yeah. the high road on it. He said, you know, hey, he said, I'm, I'm not sure what, what the problem was, but, uh, you know, Tom's a great umpire. You know, I've known him for several years, blah, blah, blah. He took the high road. It, it was, uh, it was an interesting, interesting. You gotta, you gotta check that out, out on, on Google. Mark, here, here's another interesting stat. You know, Major League Baseball went to the three-divisional alignment back in 1993. Since that time, there have been five teams that have won ten or more divisional championships. The Yankees have won 13, the Dodgers 12, the Cardinals and Braves have each won 10, and by winning the division this weekend, the Indians have won 10. Would you have been able to think that that would be possible back in the 70s and 80s, as bad as the Indians franchise was? I didn't think that was possible five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, you know, the the Indians are the same size market as the Reds. There's not a lot of difference in population. It's just, to me, it's the perfect example of how you can do things correctly and how you can do things poorly. 
and the results are in the standings and in, in the records. And when you have a winning team like Cleveland, what that means is you make a hell of a lot more money that you can then go out and continue that strategy. The point that you made that I, I think is absolutely correct, the Reds organization, at least I've never heard it, they don't have a plan. They do not have a strategic plan like the Cardinals did, or in any team that's successful has to have. So this floundering we're seeing now, it's it's disastrous. And uh, looking at this team play ball tonight is, is just, it, it's pitiful. What, what is the score right now? We're not it's supposed to, to do nothing. this, but... It's eight to nothing, but it's not that close. <laughs> kind of like Saturday when the, the Indians were up fifteen nothing at the end of four, and yeah. they started pulling everybody to get ready for the celebration. You know what was nice about that, Mark? That they had Sunday that nobody was going to play. They they already knew that if they won the division on Saturday, nobody was going to play on Sunday. And then today was an off day. Now. That's again. That's the luxury a winning team has. But uh, as we're talking about these two organizations, um, can can I get some Mark? You were right. Uh, response from you? Probably about Billy not. Hamilton, about Billy Hamilton. What about this him? team? Well, for the, he's been on the team five years. Yeah. The team has finished last four of those years, fourth yeah. another year. Uh, a lot of other teams have won without Billy Hamilton being in their lineup, and I love the way the guy plays defense, he's an automatic out. He has a terrible uh, – and he's not even stealing bases this year. I just don't – you've got to have a guy who can hit 280, 290 playing in the outfield, and the Reds don't have anybody out there. Well, and, and that's why I was saying Shebler in center field, because anything that Shebler does at the plate is an improvement. Yes, I agree. And, and I agree. That, that's why, you know, going into next year, Mark, to be honest with you, that lineup is set. You know, if, well, if, the infield is set. Yeah, the infield is set. And well, if, if, if they go with the three that I'm talking about in the outfield, the outfield is set for the time, for the beginning of the season. But in other words, what I'm saying is, you've got a plan. You've got your starting eight. Now go after some pitching. Well, I think they're going to have to go after two outfielders, in my opinion. I think you need a new center fielder, and you need a new left fielder. And then you got to get two starting pitchers. And if they don't, uh, I think somebody's going to blow this organization up because uh, there's there's no hope unless they go out and spend some money. When you and I were down there, you know, there was like, what, 13,000 people there that night? Yeah. And, it was, and against the Indians? I mean, are you kidding Nobody yeah. shows up for these games anymore because the team is just awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the the red site right now, and they're talking about Michael Lorenzen and Amir Garrett maybe being starting pitchers next year. Yeah. I mean, it's it, 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 that that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, these these are unproven guys. They've never been successful as starting pitchers. I'm glad they're giving Lorenzen getting a start tomorrow night. But even if he goes out and pitches a shutout. He, he has not been proven over the long haul. That's not going to do it, Dave. And Di Scafani, he got lit up again tonight. I mean, he got hammered tonight. And that's the fifth start in a row that he's been out before the fifth inning. 
You can't depend on that guy for next year. If, if you if you think he's going to be your starting pitcher next year, you're you got to screw loose. So then there's, your there's, your primary concern should be let's sign Matt Harvey for next year and let's see if we can't make a deal somehow some way to bring in another one or two starting pitchers. Yeah, I would sign Matt Harvey. I would sign two other starting pitchers. You, you know they're going to have Homer Bailey starting. Oh, God. They're paying him $20-some million. He'll start. So that's your one starter, and they'll let him go until July, and, uh, you know, he'll be 4-16 and 16 or something. And But you have to have at least two starting pitchers that we don't know the names of yet that the Reds can go out and pick up, and you need two outfielders that can play left and center. Okay. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Again, I'm going to make you the GM of the Reds, okay? You have to trade one of your stars in order to solidify the starting rotation. No, you don't. No, I'm asking. I'm saying you have to trade... Who is it that you are more willing to get rid of than anyone else? I I would not trade anybody necessarily. I would go sign free agents. That's what this team has never done. They don't invest in the free agency. And I I would not necessarily, I'm I'm not opposed to it. I mean, if I had to make a deal, you you probably want to trade Votto because of of the contract and Mm -hmm. then use that money to, to, to get some starting pitching. But nobody will take Votto. He's too old. For, the, for those dollars. Yeah. So the only other people you could trade are Suarez. Uh, who else? I mean, you could tr- tr- Scooter Jeanette. Uh, You've got to sign Jeanette first. you got to sign. Well, he's got another year left with the Reds, but he'll be a free agent after next year. But you, you could trade him this year. I mean, those are the only guys you're going to have any value back from would be Suarez and Jeanette. I can't think of anybody else in that team. Maybe Iglesias. Those are the three guys that I would look at because I can get value for them. But at some point, the team has to step up and and sign a free agent, somebody that can produce. They're just not doing it. See, if if I'm the Indians, okay, and and I'm just saying this, if I'm the Indians and I have got pitching galore to send to the Reds, my modus operandi as the Indians general manager is to tell you, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give up a Shane Bieber, a Mike Clevenger, but let's start at Suarez and go from there. Yeah, I mean, that, that may be a deal, but the Reds have him signed. He's a, a very productive young player. Yeah. He looked terrible tonight, but... Uh, he, then you've got a hole at third base. Exactly. That that's what I'm saying is, you know, unless you keep Senzel there and you you're convinced that Senzel is going to be what Suarez is. Yeah, and that's that's hard to come up with. I mean, Senzel's an unproven entity. A lot of rookies have failed and you and he's not going to be as productive a player as Suarez probably in you know, for another two or three years. See, I, I think I think the Reds are behind an eight ball here. I and I'll tell you why. I don't think the front office is going to approve any type of money going out to any type of free agent pitchers 
in this offseason, especially with the fact of, of Bailey's contract and Votto's contract hampering them. Whether or not it's hampering them, it doesn't make a hill of beans because they'll, they'll use that as the excuse. On the other hand, there you're caught between a rock and a hard place, Mark, because if I'm the Indians and I've got a plethora of pitching that I can go ahead and trade, the one thing that I'm going to want back is a third baseman, for example, and Suarez is where I'm going to start. And if Suarez is off the table for the Reds, then I'm not getting rid of any of my pitching because you don't have anything to give me. Yeah, and I think a lot of teams would say the same thing. They're, the Reds just don't have a deep minor league system where they can bring guys up over the next two or three years that are going to make an impact. They have a they bring up guys all the time of the last five years, and they, they stay here for, for two or three months, and they hit 2.30, and, and they're gone. So the, the the problem is not having a bad year. The problem is this team is on the way to having a bad decade, and and that is actually a probability at this point. Not It's not a certainty, but it's a probability that right now, based on they've lost five years in a row, losing seasons, worst team in baseball over that period of time. And there's nothing down in the minors that says that's going to change. That means you're looking at another three, four, five years, and then there's no guarantee beyond that. So when you when you don't invest in your team, and that's what the Reds have done wrong in a, in a business sense, they, they've evaluated poor talent, but they've not invested other than a place that sells a different kind of food in their ballpark. And, and, and that's just, <laughs> just maddening. I, I want to ask you very quickly before we, we end tonight's show about a question on the Indians and Josh Donaldson. All right. Josh Donaldson obviously has come in and he has already made a difference. He, he hit a home run on Friday night for the Indians. Uh, did a pretty good job on Saturday. They're going to start playing him every day for the next two weeks. Is that something that you think that they need to do? I mean, this guy hadn't played up until about a week ago since May 28th. Is this a good plan to put Donaldson into the lineup every day for the next two weeks to get him prepped for the playoffs? Oh, yeah. I I think he would want that, too. And, yeah, I think it's a smart move. I mean, you brought him in there. Again, the Indians made moves this year. The thing I really liked about what they did, they made moves to win a World Series. That's why they made all those trades. They knew they were going to make the playoffs. They want to win the World Series. And they know, just like everybody else does, this team is getting older. They're going to have free agent issues in the next couple of years. There are people leaving. You could have injuries. That window is only open for a short period of time. And I really like what the Indians did to step up and try and win the whole thing. Do you think anybody will give Andrew Miller more than $9 million a year? Yeah, I think in, t- in today's market, yeah, I, I don't think that's a, a crazy number for Andrew Miller. Uh, I think the bigger question is anybody going to give $400 million to that Yahoo in, uh, in Washington <laughs> hitting 230? Uh, From what uh, I hear, the Atlanta Braves are. Um, well, they see something I don't see. I've, uh, see. I've heard the Phillies are interested in him, too. Phillies and the Braves, but they're about the only two teams. For, for those numbers, seriously, people are talking $300 million for that guy. I, I don't believe it. And how, how about the fact of Mike Trout? Mike Trout, for example, I mean, they're talking about a lifetime contract 
with the Angels? He's earned it. Oh, I... he's, he's five times the ball player that, uh, what's his name is? I keep freaking. His yeah. Name's, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, yeah. Yeah. Bryce Harper is a, a unbelievably strong power hitter, but he, he's not a great defensive player. He's a, he's a decent one. He doesn't have great speed, decent speed, uh, and he doesn't hit for average. He's hit about 450 feet a lot, but Trout does everything. Got a Trout great beard. He's what? He's got a great beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, hey, and with the Angels, why wouldn't you sign Trout to a lifetime contract? You've kept Sosha there that long. Yeah, and, you know, it's amazing that Pujols is still playing, and I guess he's going to come back next year after this arm injury that he's got this year. Yeah. But the, the, the talent they've had in that organization, and they just never win. Yeah. What do the Reds have coming up? I know you don't don't care, but for those out there that... I'm, just, I'm afraid to look. No, I know who they have coming up. They have Milwaukee <laughs> the next two games. And then they go to to Florida, play Miami, and they actually might win a couple games down there. Uh, so it's uh, <laughs> there's just a couple weeks left to go, Mark. There's just a couple weeks left to go in the, I know, in the regular I know, season. Dave. And then yeah. I can be full time Indians, yeah, uh, front runner. Well, the Indians have got the White Sox coming up tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night, and then going to be some fun. The Red Sox come to town. That's going to be Sunday night baseball, Mark. Red Sox and Indians, Sunday night so baseball. what? You both clinched. Who cares? <laughs> and then we've only got about a week left to go in the regular season. Mark, we'll talk about it again next Monday night. Have a good one, Dave. You too. That's going to do it for tonight's program. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's happening this weekend. We've got Roger Bacon football from down here in Cincinnati, where the Spartans will be taking on Baden. That'll be from Braun Basevich Stadium. We'll be on the air with the pregame show at 6 o'clock, kickoff at 7 here on Ultimate Sports Talk. And then Saturday afternoon, we'll be in Erlen for Mount St. Joseph College football for you. The Lions are 2-1, and 1-0 in the Heartland Conference, taking on the Quakers. That game is going to be at 2.30. We'll be on the air Saturday afternoon with the pregame show starting at 1.30 here on Ultimate Sports Talk. And then Mark and I will be back again next Monday night with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Our thanks to our producer here this evening, Greg Mitchell. But most of all, our thanks go out to you for listening here this evening. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next week at 9 o'clock for another Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Have a good week, everybody.